Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. Um. Genesis chapter 16, verse number four. And when you have it, or um, Judges chapter 16, Lord Jesus. I'm sorry, y'all. It's been a long weekend. Pray for me. Amen. Genesis chapter, or Judges chapter 16. Amen. <laughs> and I'm going to read verse number four in your hearing. Thank you, Marcus. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, after this, it came about that he loved a woman in the, na- in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And after this, it came about that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Amen. I want to preach for a little while using as a subject, I should have known better. Amen. I should have known better. Father, thank you for this time. Help us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I should have known better. Many of us, if we've been in church for any length of time, have heard the story of a man named Samson. And although we might know that Samson had great strength, we might know that Samson was strong enough uh, to tear a lion limb from limb. We might know that Samson was a judge of Israel, which was a spiritual and political office. What we might not realize about Samson is Samson was a man that had strong appetites, and because of his strong appetites, he often found himself making the wrong decision in his relationships. Because Samson had great passion, He made decisions based on his passion and not his purpose. And because he made decisions based on passion and not on purpose, he often found himself getting into trouble with the people that he chose. And although we look at Samson and we see his story, a lot of us can identify with the fact that many of our relationships that went wrong weren't just wrong because people were crazy. They were wrong because we picked wrong. Yeah. 
nobody forced you into that relationship. Nobody coerced you most of the time into that relationship. Most times when we find ourselves in relationships that are failing, they're failing because we made the wrong choice. As a matter of fact, if we be honest, there are red flags in relationships that we saw that had we been thinking clearly, we would have ran away from when we saw them up front. But because we were motivated by our passion instead of being focused on our purpose, we ignored red flags and found ourselves in relationships that will tear, would, were tearing our lives apart. Because how many of y'all know that nothing will derail your purpose faster than a crazy relationship? Nothing will get purpose off track quicker than being in the wrong relationship. And the reality simply is many of us don't understand that the reason why Satan is trying to get you into the wrong relationship is because he knows that the wrong relationship will derail your purpose. God help me. Uh, see, you thought that Satan didn't want you or wanted you to be in a bad relationship because he just wanted you to be sad. No, it's deeper than that. Satan understands something about your life that you have not realized about your life and that is that your life is not about you there are people around you and people who are connected to you and people who are depending on you realizing the purpose that God has for your life and so what Satan does is he wants to hook you up with the wrong person so that you never manifest purpose and you don't just mess your life up but you mess up the lives of everyone who is depending on you because if you look at the life of Samson Samson had a calling on his life that was not just for Samson. How many of y'all understand that? Samson wasn't called to be strong just for strength's sake. Samson was called to be strong because he had to deliver some people that were in bondage. God had a calling on Samson's life and the calling on Samson's life was in danger because Samson kept making the wrong decisions. God help me. And some of y'all don't even understand that the reason why you can't see clearly what God is trying to get you to do, the reason why you can't understand clearly what God is trying to take you into is because you're depending on your passion to make decisions instead of looking at your purpose. Somebody say amen. The reality of your life is that if you are going to be successful in relationship, hear me, you've got to learn how to pick people based on purpose and not on passion. I've got to choose my relationships based on where I'm going and not on what I'm feeling because my feelings will change. But the plan and the purpose of God for my life is unchanging. So I might like you today because I feel like liking you today. But if I don't like you tomorrow and I've already connected to you, now I got to go through the pain of a breakup. I got to deal with baggage because I made a decision before I had properly processed my passion. The Bible tells us here then that Samson is a man who had unusual purpose. He had been called by God. He was a walking miracle. His mother was barren. She wasn't able to have children, but God opened up his mother's womb and allowed her to get pregnant with Samson under miraculous circumstances. And the Bible says that God told her that she was that he was going to give her son unnatural power to be a chain breaker for his people. And that in order for him to be a chain breaker for his people, he had to keep what was called in the Bible a Nazarite vow, meaning that he was not able to cut his hair. 
He was not able to touch dead bodies and he was not able to drink strong drink. So Samson was born with a covenant with God. God help me. Uh, uh, let me stop there parenthetically to remind you that before you get into covenant with a person, you've got to learn how to honor your covenant with God. Yeah. See, the reason why Samson was susceptible to bad covenants with people is because he had not yet learned how to honor properly his covenant with God. He had in many occasions in his life looked at his covenant with God and said, you know what? I ain't got to worry about that. Oh, it's a dead body over there. I can touch that. Oh, it's some liquor over there. I can drink that. The only part of his vow that he kept was not cutting his hair. Because cutting your hair is external. Watching what you put in your body is internal. See, people can see me if I cut my hair, but I can sneak around and touch dead bodies and drink liquor. God help me. Y'all missed that. See, we are so focused on the parts of our relationship with God that people can see. But we don't realize that spiritual character is determined by we how we handle the parts of our relationship that people can't see. Yeah, I can see your Facebook and your Instagram and your Twitter and you posting scriptures and talking about you going to church. But can I see your call records, though? Can, can, can I see Jesse Smollett? Can I see your text records? Because what's private determines how you handle your real relationship, your covenant with God. Samson had this covenant with God. And he had unnatural strength because he had this covenant with God. And because he had unnatural strength, the Bible says that he was called to be a deliverer for his people. I, I want y'all to get this right. Relationships are important. But the only reason why your relationships are important is because your calling is important. Right. You have too much deposited in you for you to settle for jacked up relationships. Because if your heart gets broken, then it will derail your purpose. Because when your heart is broken, nothing else works right. When you are emotional, it don't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what's going right. Doesn't matter what happens to you. When you are emotional, you interpret everything through the lens of your emotions. When you are broken, you interpret everything through the lens of your own brokenness. And so Satan wants to derail your purpose by hooking you up in the wrong relationship. And in order for you to correct this and to combat this in your life, you got to learn how to pick right. Because the beauty of this day and age is that you have a choice over who you enter into relationship, into partnership with. You got the right to say no. Somebody say no. no. Yeah, you got the right to say no to any relationship that you don't feel like being put in. But if you don't know how to pick right, your freedom will become a frustration to you because you'll pick wrong. Yeah. I don't turn my children loose at a buffet because they don't know how to pick right. Their appetites have not matured to the degree to where they can fix their own plate properly. So I send them, if we go to the buffet, I still got to make their plate. Even though it's all you can eat, they still can't get all they want because I, haven't tr I don't trust their maturity to the degree where they can pick for themselves. And God wants you to go into the buffet of life with maturity enough to know that everything that's available to you is not right for you. 
But when you don't have control over your passions, you'll begin to pick things because that are not good for you just because they look good to you. But everything that looks good to you is not right for you. Somebody better hear me today. See, some of us are making decisions based off of what we can see. And we don't understand that some of the things we can see are tricking us into believing that something is real that's not really real. Right? Let me get to the text. So, so Samson, Samson is, 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 is a picture for us, right? I, I, I wish I had time to preach the whole story of Samson. But, but Samson's life is, is a picture for us of what it looks like to pick the wrong relationships, to, 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 to get into the habit of picking the wrong relationships. And they're just uh, a few quick things that I want to lift from the life of Samson that can help us as we try to navigate this thing called relationships. I'm, I'm going to try to, to teach, preach this real quick. Uh, um, number one, the first thing that Samson's life teaches us, the first lesson that we learn from Samson's life, is the inability to wait patiently will always result in poor decisions. Yeah. Judges 14, uh, chapter, one, or chapter 14, verses 1 and 2 says, Then Samson went down to Timnah, and in Timnah one of the, saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. So he came back and told his father and mother, I saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. He, he goes down, sees a girl, and right after he sees her, he tells his parents, hey, go get her for me. I want to marry her. Samson makes a life-altering decision in just a second. And whenever you're impatient, whenever you don't know how to wait, whenever you don't know how to stop, and breathe and process and wait for God to open up your eyes and begin to show you you are always going to make poor decisions when you don't know how to wait. Yeah. See, some of us are in situations right now. Don't raise your hand. Don't say amen. Don't say nothing because I don't want you to get in trouble by the person you sitting next to. Some of us are in stuff right now because we were impatient. Got degrees in student loan debt because we impatient. Got exes that we can't stand because we were impatient. Got children that we're grateful for but weren't prepared for because we were impatient. And many of us don't know how to handle life because we lack patience. We can't wait on anything. You get irritated in the drive-thru and get smart with the person making your food because you're impatient. Let alone having to wait on God. To make something happen in your life because you're impatient. But whenever it is that you lack patience, you will always make poor decisions. Samson marries the first girl he sees because he didn't know how to wait. See, waiting is not just about your personal degree of patience. But your patience needs to be fueled by trust that God will do what God does in God's time. I got to believe that life ain't passing me by if my life is in God's hands. 
So then that requires me, beloved, to put up my own personal time clock. Like, I, I got to stop setting deadlines that God ain't told me to set. If God didn't say by the time I'm 30, then I got to stop saying by the time I'm 30. If God didn't say by the time I'm 35, then I got to quit saying by the time I'm 35. You hear what I'm saying? God says patience requires trusting that I know the thoughts that I think towards you. And how many of us have been unable to wait on God because we're afraid? We can't handle our passions. We don't know how to deal with stuff. Right? Some of us don't need weight training, W-E-I-G-H-T training. We need weight training, W-A-I-T. Yeah. Some, some of us need weight training. As a matter of fact, some of you feel like you're in a holding pattern in life, going through the same thing over and over again, or you're asking God for something and God is not giving that thing to you. And the reason for that is, is because God is teaching you how to wait. God wants you to wait because he understands that patience is critical to you picking the right person. Patience means, ooh, that person looks good, but I don't know what's coming around the corner. Patience means, look, that person seems right, but I don't know myself well enough to settle on anybody because I don't know what God is doing in me yet, so I can't know what God is doing in us yet. You can't know what God has for y'all if you don't know what God has for you. And patience says, even though it's available to me, I'm going to wait until God shows me the right thing. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Okay, number one. But then number two, God has placed spiritual authority in my life not to control my life, but to protect my heart. Yeah. God has placed spiritual authority in my life, not to control my life, but to protect my heart. Let me read this to you. It's not on the screen, but let me read this verse to you. Then his father and mother said to him, is there no woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all of our people that you have to go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? Samson says, look, this girl looks good to me. Go get her, make her my wife. But then his dad says to him, like, son, you had to go to the club to find a girl? We go to a mega church. It's 14,000 members. Ain't one girl of 14,000 in the church house? You got to understand now, Samson's parents were not xenophobic. They were not bigots. They were not racist. They were not anti-Philistines. What Samson's parents were trying to communicate to Samson and what I believe God is trying to communicate to us is that God wants you to be with someone that has spiritual common ground. Now, notice what I said. Spiritual common ground. Hear me, common ground means the ground we're standing on is common. I, I, I really, I'm, not, I'm not playing, I'm, I'm not trying to be funny, but like me being up here and you being down there, even though we're in the same room, is not common ground. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? Common ground means that you are on the same level. So if you love God and you are submitted to God and you are serving God and you are in church every week and you are budgeting your time, your talent and your treasure and your tithe and you're trying to grow closer to God, you can't get with somebody to say they cool with Jesus. I'm cool with Louis Farrakhan, but he has no authority spiritually in my life. If you're over, look, look here, if, if, if you've gone through bad experiences in church and you've been hurt in church, but you've recovered to the degree that you can find yourself in the sanctuary, you need somebody that's with you. You can't be looking for them. Do you hear what I'm saying? You need spiritual common ground. And see, the problem is we develop emotional attachments to people. Before we develop spiritual common ground. That's the problem with how we date. Because when we date separated from Christian community and then we go meet a person, we like a person, and then we want to introduce them to Christian community, you've already developed an attachment by the time you bring them around. So by the time the people that are around you notice that person ain't saved, they're not full of the Holy Ghost, they don't know their purpose, they ain't got their life together spiritually, you mad because you've already become attached. But you got to learn how to develop common ground before you become attached. That's how you got to, that's how you know you don't look for Christians don't look for people in the same places that non-Christians look for people. I, I don't go to my job trying to hook up. I go to my job to evangelize because I don't know what y'all relationship with God is in that cubicle over there. I don't go to the grocery store, Publix, trying to find nobody. I can tell by the way you shop for groceries you don't know God. You got chicken and no seasoning salt in your car. You can't know Jesus. Got beans and no ham hocks in the car. You got cornflakes and no sugar. You I can tell you don't know God. But you got to have, you got to have spiritual common ground, right? And so God puts spiritual authority in your life not to control you, but to protect your heart. You know what I'm saying? See, because a lot of us, we, we only submit things to our lives or submit things to spiritual authority that we think are spiritual. But when you're saved, everything is a spiritual decision. So we don't submit our money to God until our money gets tight. And we need a financial miracle. And then after we get the financial miracle, we take our money back. We don't submit our careers to God because I got this degree. I got this student loan debt. I got these bills. I know what I need to make. Right. And it's the same in our relationships. Like our relationships are not submitted to God because those things are too personal to us. And so the enemy will try to tell you stuff like you grown. That man up there can't tell you what to do. 
He ain't got no. You need to figure this out for yourself. The devil is a liar. He's trying to keep you in bondage because God said that he's giving you pastors. He's giving you. That's a gift. Pastors after his own heart to feed you with knowledge and understanding that he's giving you shepherds to protect you. You got to understand that your covering sees things that you can't see because they're looking at your life from a different vantage point. If I don't want to sleep with you, I already got my own wife, my own house, my own bills, my own stuff. I'm taking time out of my day to see about you. I'm going to give you the truth whether you like it or not. But you can't ask your friends who envy your life to give you advice on what you should do because they're trying to live through your experience. They're either projecting their pain or their possibilities onto your life. Either they don't like them because they ain't got nobody or they like them too much because they wish they had them. But when you come to church and you talk to your pastor, to your spiritual leadership, when you're living life in community, people can tell you the truth about your life. They can tell you, look, God said this is where you're going and they're going somewhere over here. And until they come into alignment with where God is taking you, it's not going to be a good fit. Y'all going to have fun on dates. Y'all going to have good conversation. But when it comes time for you to bust a move into purpose, it's going to become a frustration because they are not called to what you're called to. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you don't know your purpose, I heard a pastor, Pastor Josh Hart, in Louisville, Louisville said this uh, on, on Twitter on Saturday. He says, when you don't know your purpose, distractions look like opportunities. And you're hooked up, beloved, some of us with distractions. And let me tell you what the trick of the enemy is. The trick of the enemy is to get you not to submit to spiritual authority because you feel like either A, you know better, or B, they don't know what they're talking about. But how many of y'all know if God calls you to a church, if God calls you to faith restored, if God calls you to a place, he doesn't call you not to submit. God does not call you to a place for you to be unsubmitted. Right. OK, let me let me not over spiritualize it. God don't tell people to join churches and not listen to their pastor. You hear what I'm saying? If God called you to be here. Hello, I'm Pastor Josh. That means God called you to listen to me. Right. And so that means that God is also calling you then. To submit your life. Now, please don't don't blow up my email and behold me after service asking me about all your decisions like. <laughs> yeah, that's, let, let me put that disclaimer. That's a caveat. You know, it's one of them big words you learn in college caveat. Uh, uh, don't do that because <laughs> I'm going to get frustrated. But major decisions. Y'all hear what I'm saying? No, listen to me, though. Major decisions like who you gonna be with, because how many of y'all know a relationship will a relationship will change your behavior? Have you ever thought you knew somebody then they got into a relationship? Like, like I thought I knew you, dog. 
Then she sprayed that perfume and walked past you and your whole attitude changed. I don't know what happened to you. Relationships are important. I thought I knew you, girl. He bought you some flowers and then you found out dudes really do buy flowers. It don't just happen in the movies. Now we can't even get a hold of you. You can't come to a meeting now. Because you got dates and stuff. <laughs> Used to come to prayer meeting and Bible study now. But it takes relationships. Relationships will change everything about your life and how you do life, right? That's why you got to submit your relationships to spiritual authority. Because you don't want anyone changing you that God hasn't ordained. You don't want anyone, I'm sorry, not changing you, influencing your behavior. Oh, God, I, this ain't in my notes, but, but, but how many of us currently or in the past have been under the influence? I'm not talking about drugs. I'm not talking about alcohol, but I'm talking about under the influence of a person, of a relationship, of a situationship that we were in. You're under the influence. Beyonce, you know, you, you're drunk in love. <laughs> but most of y'all ain't even drunk in love. You drunk in lust. You drunk in possibility. You drunk in desperation. You drunk and I'm almost 30 and I ain't got nobody. And all of that is influencing how you see relationships. That's why you need a covering. Because covering will call you to wake up when you sleep. Covering will remind you, hey... I know you. They don't know you like I know you. And there is something in you that once they find it out, they're going to break your heart because they ain't going to be able to deal with it. They're not the right person for you. Covering can see stuff in the spirit that you can't see because you want the relationship to work too bad. Samson. Covering can see, oh, no, they got a spirit on them. There is something in them. There is something in their past that they're not disclosing to you. There is something that's happening. In the spirit that you can't see. That's why you need to be covered. That's why you need to be connected to a church. That's why you got to have a pastor. That's why church membership is important. That's why you can't just keep coming around and hanging around. Feeling like if I stick around the fire long enough, I'll get hot. No, you got to get connected. Because God only gives insight for people who are connected. Like, I'm not a traveling prophet. I don't get a word of knowledge for everybody that step into the sanctuary. That's not how I roll. God gives me prophetic words for people who are connected to the flock. You hear what I'm saying? All right. Number three. Matter of fact, hold on. Before I go to number three, let me say this. Uh, you are not qualified to love me. Until I have observed you loving God. Uh, yeah. Like, not until you tell me you're spiritual. Not until you tell me that you wake up every day at 5 a.m. and pray. Not, 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 uh, it's not your words that qualify you. It is your actions. I have to then... Watch you loving God. I have to observe you loving God before I give you the, the access to love me. You know what I'm saying? Now, let me, let me, let me say this just in case y'all getting this twisted. Like, I'm talking about Christian relationships. 
Right. If you're not a believer, I'm not talking to you. Right. If, if, if you're not submitted to God, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life and as the savior of your soul, that's the only relationship you need to be worried about. Right. You need to turn off all the love songs off your radio and listen to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus just now. He will save you. That's all you need. But if you're a believer. Right. You need to observe how people love and serve God. Because they can't treat you the way God wants them to treat you if they're not treating God the way God wants them to treat him. How are they going to show up for you when they won't show up for God? And you can't tell me that you believe in God and refuse to do what he say. Because if you believe that God is the God of this book that killed people for being disobedient and you really believe in him, you're not going to serve him flippantly. That's how I judge people's worship when they come in the house of God. That's, that's, that's how I judge people's service. Like, do you really believe this book? Because if you really believe this book, then he says, enter into his gates, the doorway with thanksgiving. But you come in here with an attitude on you because of the mess that you've gone through this week. Do you believe that God is who he says he is? When he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but you feel like coming to church two Sundays out the month is good enough. Do you really believe? How you going to lead me spiritually and you trifling? How are you going to protect me emotionally? How are you going to be able as a wife to discern who's coming in my life for what purpose if you're not properly hooked up with God? I need protection. You hear what I'm saying? Ladies, a man for you is supposed to be a head covering. Fellas, a woman for you is supposed to be a heart covering. But if they got holes in their covering because they're not connected to the coverer, they can't do their job right. Oh, and let me rush to say, being able to give good advice and listen well is not the same for being spiritual. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's a whole lot of motivational speakers and people who know how to give good advice, but they're not spiritual. You got business partnerships with people who sound holy, but if you examine their life, you'll be able to see that they don't have what they're supposed to have. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? You've got to be able to discern if they really love God. And I got to watch you love God. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, before you take me on a date, before we go kick it, before I ask you out to dinner, I got to watch how you love God. Yeah, like I, like, I, I, matter of fact, especially if you're somebody who's serving, you should be serving in your church, by the way, uh, and, and you're serving, and they never show up to any outreach events. You know what I mean? Like, you know, for, for, you know, my single ladies, that's, that's a part of Faith Restored Worship. You come up here on Saturdays and you see the same two dudes as set up every weekend. And then you see a new person. He asking you out like, oh, I don't think I seen you serve yet. I, you know, I, I, and you got to be careful because how they going to serve you and they won't serve God. How they going to open up doors and pull out chairs and they won't stack them after worship. God help me. 
And I guarantee you, if you find a man who won't serve God, you're going to have to remind him to serve you. Hello? Okay, I can't get no amens through there. I'm, I, y'all, look, I, I'm trying. I'm not going to preach hard for real today. I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to help you. So, number three. So, let me run, through, run back through them. Number one, the inability to wait patiently will always result in poor decisions. Number two, God has placed spiritual authority in my life, not to control my life, but to protect my heart. And number three, you uh, number three, it is impossible for you to properly pick a person until you have processed the pain of your past. It is impossible for you to properly pick a person until you have processed the pain of your past. Judges 16 tells us a story. (laughs) Uh, Judges 15, rather. Samson had a wife, that girl that he met in the Valley of Sorek. His parents went and got her for him. And uh, she married him. And she did him dirty. Uh, Samson was having his bachelor party. She invited all her cousins and them. To, to his bachelor party, Samson decides, hey, I'm going to do a quick come up. I'm going to tell them a riddle. And if uh, they tell me the riddle, they got to buy me and all my bride's uh, groomsmen tuxedos. And uh, they say, okay, man, he's a Jew. He's from Israel. He's not that smart. There's no riddle that he can tell us that we can't figure out. And so Samson tells them a riddle that, they are not, that they're unable to figure out. And the Bible says that the, that the Philistines go to his wife and say, hey, if you really love us, if we really your people, you need to tell us your husband's secret. And instead of protecting her husband, the Bible says that Samson's wife begs him for the answer to the riddle. Right? And he tells her because he loves her because his nose wide open. That's his wife. He's supposed to be able to trust her, but he don't really know her. So he tells her everything that she wants to know. And then she goes and then tells her people his secret. Samson loses the riddle. Or loses the the competition because they tell them the answer to the riddle. And so now Samson has to go and buy tuxedos, new suits of clothes for all of her people. Because Samson is violent. What he does, he doesn't go buy new suits. He kills a bunch of Philistines, takes the clothes off of them and give them to her people. Say, here you go. He runs off because he's mad at his wife, right? Comes back two days later. And the Bible says at the top of verse chapter 15 that he goes to see his wife. He gets some, buys some drink. Bible says he gets some wine. He says, I'm about to go into my wife's room and check on her. But when he gets there, his wife won't let him in the room. The Bible says that his wife has left him for his best man. Her dad says, look, I thought you were so mad. I mean, you killed all them Philistines. I didn't know what was going to happen to my daughter. 
So your best man says she was fine. I said, hey, you good looking too. Why don't I just put you all together? And the Bible says that she leaves him for his best man. Fast forward, Samson never processes his pain. You don't read anywhere where Samson cries out to God. You don't read anywhere where he says, God, restore me. I'm sorry. But he's in pain. But instead of dealing with his pain, chapter 16, verse 1 says that he went into a prostitute before properly processing his pain. Then verse 4, chapter 16 says he loves somebody else. And this woman's name was Delilah. Samson falls into it with Delilah, hear me now, because he does not process the pain of his past. He had gotten left by a woman that he thought he loved. He had gotten betrayed first because Samson, like most men, is a pillow talker. Samson will open up to the one that he's sleeping with and tell all his business, which, which proves to be a problem later on in the story. Samson has developed a habit of bearing his soul to anybody he bore his flesh to. That's why you got to have barriers before you get to the physical, because the physical will open up parts of yourself that people are not qualified to handle. But if you make a physical connection, then it's easy for you to have an emotional one after that. Samson didn't process his pain, and so he's given himself, verse 1 and 2, to somebody who's not qualified to handle him sexually. Then, after a bad sexual experience in verses 1 and 2, in verse 4, he says, okay, I'm done with that. I'm ready to get married again now. And, and let, me, let me help you. I said this in the first week, but I don't really think y'all heard me. Y'all wasn't feeling me when I said it. Uh, being tired... Of being single doesn't mean you ready to get married. Being tired of the emotional roller coaster of dating people who are unstable does not mean that you are ready for lifelong covenant. Because what Samson should have done instead of getting with Delilah was went somewhere and sat down. And started working on his purpose. But instead he falls into it with a woman Named Delilah. Look. Uh -huh. He hadn't processed the pain of his past. And, and, and really, what, what pain in your past haven't you processed? You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What ex are you still trying to get back at? What person that ignored your advances are you still trying to prove yourself to? Yeah. You posting your highlight reel on the ground and on Facebook and celebrating something that really shouldn't be celebrated because it ain't been tested because you're trying to show somebody that ain't even looking at you no more. Have you processed your pain? Yeah, you, you running from man to man because daddy wasn't there, but daddy's dead now. You can't show him nothing. You trying to prove to mom how good of a wife you going to be and mom got her own problems. Have you processed your pain? Yeah, yeah. You feel like you got an issue with church 
but really you got an issue with the last church you were at. You feel like you got a problem with pastors, but really you sat under a bad leader. Have you processed your pain? You say the church just wants your money. Why are you always talking about tithing? When in actuality, the fact is you went to a church where you gave money and then they let the community around them struggle. And so now you being stingy with your new church. Have you processed your pain? Yeah. You served at a church. They ran you ragged. It was like a second job. And now you feel like it's your season to come and not serve. God don't play like that. Have you processed your pain? Yeah. Have, have you properly processed the pain of your past? Because the pain of your past is going to prevent you from moving forward into newness of relationship. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Yeah. You got to process the pain of your past. Okay. Number four. Never pick a partner based on passion, but pick partners based on purpose. Verse number four, it's on the screen. It says, after this, after what? After all the circumstances that had happened to Samson, after his wife married his best friend, after he slept with that prostitute in the whorehouse, after this, it came about that he loved a woman, loved a woman. Now, that love is not like the biblical love. What that means is, and it's not sexual, uh, it means he set his intentions upon. That means he decided that he wanted her, right? He loved the woman in the Valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Now look, can I, can, I, can I delve just deep for just a second? Pardon me. I want to be technical for just a moment. Um, that word sorek in the Hebrew is a word that means grapes, right? Uh, sorek then historically was known as a place um, like the Napa Valley where they pressed wine. So Samson falls in love in a wine press. Okay, y'all missed it. Let me help you. Uh, he falls in love in a place where his judgment was impaired. Where he was drunken. Where he was inebriated. Where he was not himself. Samson falls in love in the valley of grapes. And how many of us have fallen in love when our judgment was not clear? Because we fall in love looking at passion and not at purpose. All of that, points one through three, Sophie, with my introduction, I'm going to preach right now. Okay? When God calls you to do something, when the hand of the Lord is on your life, there is nothing in your life that is more important than the purpose of God. There is nothing that is more important than the purpose of God for your life. So you need to make every decision 
Hear me clearly. This ain't just about dating. This is about life as a believer now. You got to make every decision based on purpose, not based on how you feel in the moment. You got to manage your money based on your calling. You got to pick your partnerships in business based on your calling. You got to pick where you go to school and what master's degree you pursue and all of that other stuff. You got to pursue. You got to pick that based on the purpose of God for your life. Why? Because the purpose of God is the only thing in your life that is guaranteed to manifest. God is going to get the glory out of your life whether you want him to or not. And the worst thing that could happen for you is for you to get into the moment of purpose unprepared because you made decisions based on your passions and not on the purpose of God. If God has a place for you to arrive to, do you hear what I'm saying? God is not American Airlines. You're going to arrive at your destination at the appointed time. Whether you are prepared or not. Do you hear what I'm saying? I've told people in this church, the worst thing that you could do is get to the place of purpose and be connected to the wrong person. Then you somewhere ministering at a conference or singing on stage at a concert and the person that you were supposed to wait on walk past you, but you can't do nothing about it because you connected to the wrong person. Stop making decisions based on passion and not on purpose. Passion fades away. Shoot. And if you've grown enough, you know it don't take long for it to go away either. You'd be like, all of that? For this? Now I got to fall on the altar and repent? And it wasn't strong or long. I got to be cryptic because it's cheering in the building. You understand? <laughs> My daughter's smart. She's <laughs> like, Daddy, what, were you talking about? Grown people stuff? Yes, mind your business. <laughs> but you hear what I'm saying? You, you, you can't make decisions based on passion because passion fades. You hear what I'm saying? Passion will fade away. But purpose will always manifest. And Satan will try to manipulate your passion. Because Satan understands that the greater the purpose, oftentimes the greater the passion. The greater your calling is, the greater your desire is for relational connectivity. Because when God calls you, he don't call you for yourself. He calls you for people. So people who are called to greatness often want to be around and expose themselves to relationships. That's why people who are greatly called often love too hard and they love too easy. That's another reason why you need a covering. Because when you got a great calling on your life, you want to save everybody. You want to help everybody. You want to minister to everybody. You want to connect with everybody. You want to assist everybody. You want to teach everybody. You want to train everybody. You want to influence everybody. But sometimes you need a covering that'll tell you, no, it ain't your time for that. You need to chill out for a minute. You got to 
Pick based on your purpose. Check this out. Verse 6. I'm going to read verse 6 and verse 10 to you. Look at what Delilah says to Samson. She says, please tell me where your great strength is and how you may be bound to afflict you. Pause. Uh, why that's the first thing you want to know? She, she ain't say, I mean, he just met her in verse 4. Verse 5, she ain't talking. It's the Philistines talking to her. The first conversation she had with a man is, um, how can I tie you up? Now, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, she could have been on to something in the spirit. But then it's the next part of the verse that messes me up. She says, so that I might afflict you. What? Wait a minute, this ain't 50 shades of gray. Ain't no affliction going on up in her. That hurt. Notice what her desire is, though. She wants to bind him up. So that he might be afflicted. But Samson says, I love you so much that I'm a trust that you just want to know for conversation's sake. But you got to understand that Samson has already established that he has a bad habit of telling his secrets to people that he's sleeping with. So Samson tries to be slick this first time around. He says, well, uh, if they bind me up with brand new ropes, then, then I, I, I won't be able to move. My strength will be gone because the new ropes will sap my strength right out of my bones. He, he, he's, a, he's obtained a little bit of wisdom. But not enough to protect himself because verse 10 says, then Delilah said to Samson, behold, you have deceived me and told me lies. Now, please tell me how you might be bound. Now, she tell him, he tells her how to do it. She does it and it don't work. And then she come back again. Now, let me tell you something, beloved. This is going to be, I, I really want to set somebody free. She's attempting to get secrets from Samson about his life. That she has not divulged about her life. And you got to be careful for people who want you to give up everything, but they ain't willing to give up nothing. God help me. Uh, you got people in your life that want you to give all of your money, all of your time, all of your mental energy, all of your emotion. But what if they sacrifice? They got you proving something to them. But they haven't tried to prove anything to you. Delilah says, Samson, tell me your secrets. Essentially, what Samson has is a covenant with God. Hear me clearly. Samson's strength was not in his hair. Ain't nobody hair quality that good. Samson's strength was in the fact that he had separated a part of his relationship with God so private that nobody else could have access to it. And so what Delilah is trying to get is access to Samson's relationship with God that she was not qualified to have because she didn't serve the same God that Samson served. 
Because if she served the same God that Samson served, then she wouldn't want to know Samson's secret. God, help me. Because she would understand that, baby, there were some things that are between you and God and you and God alone. And you got to beware of people who are always trying to get you to divulge and cover up or uncover yourself. And then they leave parts of themselves covered. They know everything about your past and everybody that you done slept with and every mistake you've made and everything that you've gone through and all of your regrets but you don't know nothing about them that is a sign that they are coming to expose you not to cover you and you don't need people in your life that are coming to expose you you need people in your life that are coming to keep you covered God help me y'all ain't hearing me see too many of us are mad because we are left exposed and we feel like we're in relationships and still lonely it's because you hook up with people that are trying to expose you for their benefit at least Samson's first wife exposed him to save her life. They threatened to kill her and her daddy and her family. Delilah exposed Samson for money. She used her position in Samson's heart to bless herself financially. God help me. She says, look, tell me the secret to your strength. Open up to me that part of yourself that nobody else can see. You got to be beware of people who want access that they have not earned. L let me help you. You, you got people that wasn't there with you in the struggle and won't be with you if you go into a struggle tomorrow and you forsake the people that been with you for somebody that you just met that you like a whole bunch. The only people who are called to forsake all others are married folks, single people. You don't need to forsake nobody. As a matter of fact, part of how you judge whether or not somebody is qualified to be around you is if they can handle being around the people that you consider family. Because people will respect who you teach them to respect. They'll respect what you teach them needs to be respected. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Yeah. If, if people don't honor your relationship with God, it has little to do with their respect and more to do with your presentation of your relationship with God. Because if you, if you treat your relationship with God like it's just an accessory or, or, or something that's ornamental or something that's elective, then they're going to treat your relationship with God like that. That's why they invite you to brunch on Sunday at 930 when they know church starts at 904. It ain't got nothing to do with them being disrespectful. You trifling. They don't disrespect your mama because they hear how you talk about her. They don't disrespect your family because they hear how you talk about your people. But when it comes to your relationship with God, they get disrespectful. It's because you've been disrespectful. Somehow or another, you have communicated that what you got going on is negotiable. All right. I'm over time. I got to quit. Um, so... I can't, I can't 
be impatient because the inability to be patient will also always result in poor decisions. Number one, uh, God has placed spiritual authority in my life, not to control my life, but to protect my heart. Number two, uh, and you got to remember that you're not qualified to love me until I've observed you watching God. It don't matter what you say. I got to see you. Right. Number three, it's impossible for you to properly pick a person until you've processed the pain of your past. And then number four, never pick a partner based solely on passion, but pick partners based on purpose. Right. So what do I do after I made the wrong choice? Got three things. Number one, I got to rest. Right. Ain't no point in beating yourself up when you made the wrong choice. I got to rest. Number one, I've got to rest in the knowledge that God is so great that he will use my poor choices to position me for his purpose. Judges 14 and four says Samson tells his parents after his parents give that objection in verse three. Like, man, you can't find no saved girl to get with. Samson says, no, do what I say, mom, dad, Karen, get her for me. <laughs> She's the one I want. Mom, do what I said. <laughs> and, 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 and it's almost like Manoah, Samson, daddy was getting ready to backhand. Well, I'm about to show you where you got that strength from. But the Bible says that he told his parents, wait. Do as he says. Verse four says, for they did not know that it was of the Lord. For he was seeking an occasion to make war on the Philistines. God had a plan for Samson's poor choice. And God had a plan for your poor choices. And those poor choices were not to leave you out there hanging. But they were to bring you to a place where you understood that every choice you made, every decision you made, was working for your good. When you come out of this bad relationship, you're going to be better. It might have, you might come out with some scars. You might come out with some pain. You might come out like Jacob with a limp. But it was for your good. And instead of beating yourself up about all the things that you regret, you got to rest in the knowledge that God is so great that he will use your poor choices to position you for his purpose. Delilah got him closer to his destiny. Y'all hear what I'm saying? There's grace even in the midst of your mistakes. Number two, after you rest, you've got to realize that God will allow lovers to leave you helpless so that you can learn to depend on him. Oh, man. I, I, I closed my Bible, but I got to read verse 21 because I know it's going to bless you. Uh, verse 21 says... Then the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and they brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bound chain or with bronze chains. And he was a grinder in the prison. When Samson gave up his covenant, what's the first thing they did to him? They gouged out his eyes. If you make decisions based on passion and not on purpose, you'll sacrifice your vision. The first thing you'll lose, you'll be like, man, why am I here? That's why you got to get into a relationship with somebody that's going to keep you focused. No, you said that we were going to change the world doing ministry. 
You said that God told you that this is what you were supposed to do. You don't get with somebody that's going to make you give up what God showed you before you met them. And then you start trying to manipulate vision to fit in with their plan. But God isn't called. God isn't obligated to provide for their plan. He's off obligated to provide for his vision. And so God allowed Samson to be left helpless. Because now that he doesn't have vision and he doesn't have strength. He needs to rely on God to grind the mill. Samson wasn't naturally strong. He had supernatural strength, but they put him in a position where he had to depend on God to do his daily work. And sometimes God will allow people to leave you so that you can realize that God is all you need. He's all that you have, but he's all that you need. Do you hear what I'm saying? God is all that you need. You don't need a person. There is not a person in the world that's going to be able to fulfill and complete you and make you happy all the time. God is all you have, but God is all you need. Do you hear what I'm saying? All right. Then number three. You got to rest. You got to realize. And then number three, you got to rejoice. Rejoice in the knowledge that once you return to God, God will return what the relationship took from you. Once you return to God, God will return what the relationship took from you. Uh, verse 22 says, but his hair began to grow again. <laughs> that, that thing that they took from him when they seized him, that, that part of himself that he gave up to Delilah, that part of his relationship that he thought was gone forever. The Bible says that once he found his relationship with God in the place of suffering, in the place of prison, the Bible said that his hair started to grow back. God help me. And I, I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but somebody needs to understand that whatever you lost in that relationship, whatever you gave them, whatever trust was broken, Whatever parts of yourself you sacrificed and now you're embarrassed and you're hurt because it didn't work out or it's not working the way you think it should work. God said, I'll make it grow back again. God help me. I know you felt like you lost it. I know you felt like it was gone. I know you felt like you were never going to recover. But if you wait, it'll grow again. God help me. That's why the first principle is patience. God help me. Oh God, because if you don't have patience, you won't be able to wait for it to grow back. But if you learn how to wait on God, God help me. I don't know who I'm preaching to in the building, but is there anybody here who has proof that it'll grow again? God help me. Oh God, me and my wife, we're proof that if you wait on God, he'll let it grow back again oh God is there anybody here who got a testimony that you lost some money you lost a job you lost a relationship you lost some stuff but God made it grow back again God help me and if you're waiting on it God help me if you come back to God it'll grow back again God said whatever you lose in a relationship I will restore it back to you there is nothing that has been taken from you that God can't cause to grow back again. Nothing. You messed up your credit putting your stuff in his name. It'll grow back again. 
Put your career on hold. Trying to show her how supportive you could be. It'll grow back again. Wasted money on fake friends. And now you're in trouble, need help paying your bills. It'll grow back again. Sacrifice your joy, giving people advice. And now you need advice and they're all gone. It will grow back again. But you got to return to God. And God will allow you to get your strength back. But that's where the comparison ends. Because I don't want you to be like Samson. Because in order for Samson to fulfill his purpose, the Bible says that he had to glorify God with his death. When he could have glorified God with his life. Let me tell you something. I'm done. Experience is not the best teacher. Obedience is the best teacher. God puts stories like that in the Bible. Not so that you can repeat their faults. Not so that you can rehearse their mistakes and be like, oh, I'm not as bad as David, Lord. I'm not nearly as bad as Samson. No, God does that so that you can see the error of their lives and by way of the Holy Spirit determined that you're not going to repeat their mistakes. You got to be able to say, God, I want better for my life. And so I'm going to look at the life of Samson and I'm going to pick better. I'm going to do better. I'm going to be wiser in my decision making. Stand to you.